November is here and can you hear the sweet siren call of summer? Have you been true to yourself and taken on any challenge that life might throw at you? Have you shouted into the void? You are on. Here at Text Talks, we couldn't be happier or prouder to be joining forces with Rayvan for another summer. A firm supporter of South African music that is the very definition of cool. We are very pleased to announce that at the end of November, we will be teaming up with Rayvan to bring you our first live show. So keep your eyes on our socials to find out how you can join only the most authentic creators South Africa has to offer at our first live show. Ray-Ban is your reflection in the mirror of your truest self. It is the shade on a hot summer's day. It is your own focus through any spotlight that may be on you. Together, Tech Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, you got a challenge for us? You are on. You can't predict the light, but with Tech Talks and Ray-Ban, you're always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbalist.com. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a Cape Town-born artist, producer, and DJ who has made a name for himself with his bold sets that stay with you long after the jaw is over. As a champion of South African dance and electronic music, he introduces us to a new generation of artists and genres every week on his radio show, and his dedication to the upliftment of our scene is palpable, and who the hell knows, what the hell knows, what we do without him. I am, of course, talking about Kyle Brinkman, better known to all of us as Das Kapital. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Tex, thanks for introducing me by my government name. My fellow South Africans. I actually, <laughs> I honestly appreciate that more, if I'm honest. It feels good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> really, thank you for the wonderful introduction. What a pleasure to be here. You know, it's incredible to see the entertainment industry opening up now mm. after months of nothing. Yeah, 100%. And of all the shows I've seen that have gone down in the last while, your set at Parc du Cup in oh, yeah. Belleville yeah. was definitely one of the most unique yeah. that I've seen and heard about because you were essentially playing music while people were getting vaccinated. Yeah. Explain this to me. So this was a part of 5FM's initiative. I think there's like a Vaxed Up on 5 thing that they're doing. And they've been sending people around the country. Uh, some of the DJs are going broadcasting live. So there'll be a host and then they'll have DJs. And I got asked, do I want to do this? And it's, you know what? It's cool. It's also, it wasn't the it wasn't the station I thought it was going to be. It wasn't going to be CICC. Okay. So I'm like, I didn't know there was a vaccination station out there in Belleville, whatever, this I. particular one. So I was like, let me go check it out. And um, we were playing in the waiting room. So people were already vaccinated. So it, it, it's, it's surreal because like you said, there's already a year's, there's like a year's plus disconnect with clubbing. When I have been in real clubs in the past year, to DJ just to even check stuff out. It's, you feel very much like a fly on the wall because like, I'm not that old, but I'm also so far removed from whatever context clubs are in now almost. And the and this past year has made it- Strange, isn't Made it? it even worse, yeah. So playing in this vaccination station was already an interesting one, knowing that it was being broadcast on radio for half the set, but then the other half was just being played to the room. There was this plan for what it was going to be, but you can't, where I would normally say don't plan a set for a club 
or a festival, that's one thing. Like, you know, you want to get your little bits and pieces in there. But you can't plan to play to a room full of people who are who've just been vaccinated. It's the weirdest. There's, there were people sitting there, like, bobbing their heads. There were people clearly upset because they're like, what is this, what is this music? Um, so, like, it was balancing between those two things. And I actually got to bring a really young, really talented artist from, he's currently based in Somerset West. He goes by the name of Fringe. And he kind of represents to me like this massive new wave of like South African electronic music. He's like doing it without a label, like without even clubs. He's like, he's been streaming on Twitch for the past year and like doing like really innovative stuff. And I was like, oh cool, I've got the opportunity. Let me bring him in. And he is more off the walls than me. Like he was like, he opened with this like breakbeat remix of Takalani Sesame that he's released <laughs> called Takalani Sesame Seed. And he just kicks off with it and it's just like like this huge and i was like cool we did the right thing here like it's not about pleasing everyone but it's like the like the half the people bobbing their heads at the end of the day that's who we were there for so like weird but it it, it was fun like i don't know what else to do. it was a weird way to sit in the middle of a friday it sounds absolutely incredible i wish that i'd gotten my first dose there yeah at that time I wish they did it more. I wish they did more of these vaccine things because I got my dose right before they opened it up to 35 and under. Okay. I, you know, I used my my SABC privileges <laughs> to like go and get my get get on the guest list. Yeah, got and like got my first jab just to, to actually just make it easier for myself to get the second one right because everyone's going to go at the same time and it's amazing how quickly Cape Town has been picking up on this stuff. But. Yeah, it was kind of bleak because I'm like, I met people there who were like, oh, you're from, you know, here and you do this and you're whatever. We should do something together. And I was like, maybe, yeah. And before I even had a chance to act that out, this other thing came up and I was like, it could have been so cool to like actually do it at the CTICC or something like for me, like on the day I actually got jabbed, it would have been really fun. You know, it must have been nice to use those SABC privileges. Mm. I got bounced from the CTICC. I registered Mm? as a media uh, member and then they never emailed me back. They spoke to me about that when I got there. They were like, oh, do you have your confirmation? Because it's not about the email that says you're allowed to. It's about the follow-up. And I'm there like, don't worry, I actually have it all. And they were like, the, the guy who was managing was saying, you have an idea of the amount of people we've had to turn away because they didn't get the follow-up email. And it's, there's no rhyme or reason to it either. It's not like there's some media people that are therefore like more deserving. Like, you know, <laughs> it was just the thing of like, I'm like, cool, you know, I, I'm here. I, I pl- I'm prepared. That's great. It all worked out really nicely. But... It seems like it's efficient enough that even I'm assuming you've gone and gotten a jab. Yeah, my, my, my first jab. But I had to do the vaccine walk of shame out the CTICC. Oh. Shame. Shame. Oh. Do you know what that's like? <laughs> do you know what that's like? It was fucking horrendous. Oh, look at her. <laughs> shame. Oh, 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 you know that she came here without an appointment. <laughs> shame. Kids these days. <laughs> so bad. Shame. <laughs> so bad. But on a more serious note. Yeah. I know that you were involved in Aidan Kay's documentary, The State of the Arts. Can you feel it? The rhythm. The beat. Yeah. And I saw that he actually reached his goal last week of uh, raising 25,000 Rand, which is incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about what the last 18 months have been like for you. Personally, yes, but also on a professional note. So I love what Aiden K did with that documentary. And I think he's also very aware of what he did. I don't want to sit here and tell you that it is the most um, 
even-handed necessarily because he knows he represents a very specific side of the scene. Everyone he got, regardless of what they represent as an artist, they kind of we we all come from a very similar space, both like sonically, almost at this point, like we represent a very particular slice of yeah. of South Africa. Me, Dean Fuel, Julia from Good Luck, uh, Lady Leah was in there, Vimo, Kyle Watson, mm. Timo ODV. At its core, with like looking past a bit of nuance here, it is a very middle class, a very like tech house white, like for the and then Majorzi, just for a little bit of spice. But (laughs) yeah, it's a bit of spice, and also, but at the same time, if you think about it, it's also like a lot of those people are major label affiliated in some way or tied in with certain events companies. We're all people that you would, we would all end up seeing each other backstage at the same stage at a festival. So I think a better way to describe it. Mm. So. There was definitely a point to get across, and I think it was easy for him to reach out to the right people yeah. because that's what it was. It's also how, what can you put together in COVID, you know? It came together really nicely, but what I'm most impressed about is how he handled himself, how he conducted it, and subsequently what he did to use that platform that it gave him for the betterment of others. I've mm-hmm. since had him back on my radio show to promote the Broke Not Broken stuff he was doing, the raising money. And the fact that he's hit goals, the fact that he's been throwing small events in Joburg that benefit, like, you know, the venue that they're playing at that maybe had to downscale from 30 uh, staff to two. That's the kind of stuff that I, like, at the moment, live for in this industry. Mm. And that's what this past year has really allowed me to focus on. I've spent, let's look at this, I'm going to look at this really from a career perspective because it informs my personal perspective slightly. I've spent 10 years plus, 11 years, really, yeah, from when I was 19, considering myself a professional in the in the music industry and as a DJ, as a producer, and I've gone through so many different waves and phases and I was there at the peak of Cape Town's relevance in terms of like the electronic scene. We'll and talk what, about assembly later. 100%. What we did <laughs> as, a, as a scene that was like one of the biggest exports from the city outwards. And I think when you get in on the ground level and you meet so many of these people, like so many people and you're there, you get, I, I got swept up in it. and. Mm. 10 years did go by very quickly, but COVID hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit all of us like a ton of bricks, but it also forced me to reassess. And it made me go, huh, you've been doing this for 10 years, but like, are you really happy? Have you really been like, you don't have a choice now, whether you get to go out and DJ, whether there's that little bit of joy at the end of the weeks of writing music and the trying to fight for relevance of certain sounds in this country or in the wider scene or so on and so forth. It was a massive opportunity for me to sit and reassess and go like, are you happy? Like, mm. you, what do you actually feel like, Kyla? And the answer was, I felt like, like it was like the myth of Sisyphus vibes, like pushing the rock up a hill and just having it roll back a little bit every day. And it wasn't that it was rolling back further than it was going up, but it was that maybe like, I'm actually sick of pushing a rock up a hill for like a bit. Let me maybe take a break from pushing the rock and walk sideways. Mm-hmm. What's this way? And that informed a lot of my personal life as well. Like I took a lot of, I used it as an opportunity to COVID as an opportunity to walk away from as many toxic and negative situations as I could on a personal level, on a career level. I have, I was able to break down a lot of the, because it was just a constant motion of like 10 years of like being this kid and you're thrust into the limelight and then you got a, oh, you got a radio show now. Oh, you're like, okay, cool. You're not the new guy, but now you're like the established guy, but you're not the old guy either. Oh, you got to just roll with the punches crazy. And then eventually. It's just kind of this thing of like, man, this stuff I haven't unpacked from five years ago. This stuff I haven't unpacked from seven years ago. And you sit there and you unpack it and you're like, yo, 
don't like those people. I, there's a reason why I have to smile through gritted teeth when I deal with those people for business. Why I'm like backstage with these with with like huge swaths of people, and I'm like with you know other DJs or promoters or peep gatekeeper types, mm. and I'm like I actually was just putting up with them being abusive and shit if I'm allowed to swear. <laughs> you are 100% oh, allowed to swear. Oh, I had to put up with people being shit <laughs> in order to, because I thought like, oh, the ends justify the means. I'm going to get on stage now and I'm going to absolutely kill it. When you take that stage thing away, when you took the performance away, mm. that moment of release that I make the music so that people can hear it, it made me, made me realize like, I don't, I don't need any of this shit. I don't need any of these people. Like, I don't want to give business time energy to them and that allowed me to make i guess the short version of it for personal life is that it allowed me to take a lot of control back like last year i made the conscious choice of saying i'm going to quit booze for a year or beginning of 2020 before covid i was like i'm going to quit booze for at least a year and so i did that for like a year and a half and then i, I quit smoking in the middle of covid because i was like i'm going to quit smoking after 10 years of smoking so did i yeah and it's wild. Congratulations. If you're awesome. Same to you. Thank you. And it was the weirdest thing because it was my last crutch. It was my last, it was my last thing of like, cool. I, I never really drank like crazy, but I used to like, I used to go hard when I was at parties because it was my release. This is my escape. So take that away. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm in control. Mm. But I've still had like cigarettes. Oh no, this is my last thing. It was like intrinsically linked with my brand. Like people saw me smoking all the time. And then I just decided like, I don't need this crutch anymore. I stopped and I thought I'm going to, I'm going to implode. I'm going to die. And then it's like been a whole year and a half later or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want, it's gross. Isn't it so weird how you think or you thought that smoking was intrinsically linked with your brand. And yeah. somehow if you stop that, it was going to be to the detriment of your brand. Oh, to my abilities, yeah. It was more also like just the detriment of me. I'm like, what am I going to, I'm going to, I'm going to snap. I'm going to murder people. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Not even nicotine withdrawal. I just thought like. The, the demons are going to come out of me like oh no that's the last thing holding them at bay we're like no i've like I've, i enjoy food because i can taste it like right I, mozzarella has a flavor <laughs> like all of this crazy stuff where i'm like oh i you know i have a preferred brand of bottled water now like these little things that make the world of difference so yeah I, I think the year was a massive opportunity and what's been interesting in post i wouldn't say we're post covid but post that you know, the world's ending, no, we're never going to have a way out of this type thing, is realizing how many people had similar experiences and also that a lot of the terrible people that I walked away from, mm. any transformation that they did in the past year is pure lip service. Because the, the first opportunity they've had, the, the minute that they've regained any semblance of solidity, like, you know, a solid foundation again, mm. straight back to their old behaviors. Interesting. Yeah, so I just sit back and I'm like, wow, I'm actually too old like i can be younger than people i can be older than them and i'm just like i'm beyond that mm. and i'm beyond entertaining that and i can just very comfortably say if you haven't learned lessons in this in this time mm. this was like your i guess not your last chance but from me it was mm. it's like i'm just gonna let people destroy themselves i'd ra i would rather build and grow outside of my career and that's mm -hmm. kind of what i did is like i took that music foundation that name that I built because mm. I realized I'd, I have a significant brand that I've built over the last 10 years. And I was like, let's use that to benefit others. That's like radio shows promote other artists harder than ever before. Let's not pivot, but hey, I'm not a one trick pony and I never have been. Why have I been pushing this one rock when actually I could I would actually be better served pushing a bunch of smaller rocks. And mm. I definitely find it easier to push all of them at the same time than just one 
big stupid rock. <laughs> so how, like sitting in front of me right now, talking to me, yeah. what would you say your emotional state is now? Me, I'm, it's so strange. It's, I am, hmm. it's always a tough one to explain because I have a very simple answer for it, but it's almost like why? Everything went out the window, all, all logic kind of left and you're left wondering like, what am I gonna do? And the first half, the first part of COVID was me panicking and me trying to figure out what are the angles? Like, what am I gonna do? What mm. can I do? I'm not, how am I gonna get in these conversations? And then I started having the conversations and I started realizing people, I'm meeting people that want to have those conversations with me. And I just naturally find myself in rooms with people massively more important than me, but who value my opinion, mm -hmm. who, who value my ethic and my skills. And I can use these disparate skills and bring them together to form this entirely new like chimera of just multi like I'm like a yeah I'm like a hydra every time you like cut a job off from me I get like two more jobs <laughs> and, and I'm so happy because of it it's the harnessing harnessing something that was intrinsically a problem of mine when I was younger which was my chaos mm. as that I was too fired up I was too and some people took advantage of it and and got me, you know, got, got it allowed me to do things. Mm. But at the same time, it also like made me hard to deal with at times where I'm, it's 11 years later. I'm like, no, I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, the best version of myself I've ever been. I enjoy being around people. I enjoy people being around me because I do good. Mm. I objectively and subjectively try and do the best that I can for everyone that I deal with. And so, yeah, that waking up and like, it's almost like people are saying, you know, you know, you wake up and you choose violence, but it's like, I, it's like, I imagine it's like, I wake up and choose violence, but it's like, I'm making, I'm windsurfing the chaos, basically. Like I'm creating a tornado, but I'm windsurfing it the entire time. Like I'm just going through it. I'm using my fire and that energy to burn in a positive direction mm -hmm. as, as hard and as fast as I can until I crash for a couple of days and then I start <laughs> again. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day, you and I, we've, we've known each other for quite a few years. Oh yeah. And we both cut our teeth on assembly radio. Mm -hmm. You had your show, I had my show. I've now got a podcast. You've now got a national radio show. And you almost made me cry the other day when you did an oh. assembly appreciation. Oh, the assembly appreciation post. thing. Yeah. And you were like, it's been five years since it's closed. And I mean, assembly was during that time yeah. when independent music of all types of genres were flourishing and our scene was busting. And we had MCAR and we had a, mm. our own award shows. And the state of radio looked very different to what it, it does now. And we had like we had a thriving, beautiful, bustling, independent music scene, 100%. and and assembly, probably one of the most iconic music mm. venues we've ever had in this country. It played a very huge role in your career, yeah, and and in giving you a platform. What do you? How do you feel when you think back about those times? I'm not someone who generally gets overly emotional over like nostalgia. There's nice stuff. I mean, there's stuff that I like mm. from the past and I see it maybe from like early childhood that I can sit and be like, oh yeah, you know, every time Jim watch Jurassic Park, it's like, oh, take me back, you know, ah. But in going through 
I think someone tagged me on Facebook and it was like, hey, you got a memory from five, five years ago. And it was the closing of assembly. Mm. And I just sat and I looked at the photos from final assembly. And what's really great is my entire, you know, what the equivalent of, I just call it the boys WhatsApp group. You know, it's the boys WhatsApp group, but it's all, we're all people that have known each other in one way or another for that entire period. It's people who are now promoters, musicians, mm. photographers, always have been, but it's just that, you know, they were still there on the night. It was really funny to look at the photos and be like, damn, you know, we were all there. Like, and here we are just like roasting each other because like Mike Zietzman wants to have like a foot race with someone and we're all calling him old and his knees are gonna buckle in. Shout out to PH Fat. Now everybody get down like animals, animals, animals. We love animals. <laughs> um, you know, saying like, is, is medical aid gonna cover this? <laughs> and it's, you look back on that time period and I got emotional because it wasn't about final assembly. Like, yeah, it was kind of the end of an, an era. It was one of the last few the fact that now like Mercury is closing down mm. or whatever, and the shack, I suppose. Like that's really the kind of, I've sadly had to describe it as like the nail in the coffin for like my foundational venues and times and places. Like none of the the real clubs or the nights or anything meaningful from that time still exists. There are promoters, but they're not doing the same stuff. They'd... So sidebar, mm. the shack yeah. survived liquidation. Oh, did they survive? Was bought and is going to continue as the shack for the foreseeable future. That is incredible news. So Mercury might be closed yeah, and, and that's okay. now, a, there's a stripper pole there where it used to be. Oh, and cool, nice. It's one of those studios, but yeah. the shack has nine lives. There we go. And the shack is you can't kill, <laughs> still around. It's the cockroach that will survive the nuclear. <laughs> the 100%. So, okay, so we're, that's slightly better then. I mean, you've na you've ruined the narrative of my big moment <laughs> <laughs> Okay, pretend, pretend the shack is still closing. I just didn't want to like no, stir fine. chaos, do you know what I mean? Like, nah, that shack no, is closing. No, it's fine. Okay, what people are like, what? I thought they, I thought they just kept it open. Like someone's <laughs> panicking right now. Where, where am I going to do drugs with my friends on a weeknight? <laughs> oh, oh, man. <laughs> that, that, oh, man. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> that place. Sidebar. Yeah. Um, no, so... Um, Look, Assembly was like one of the main clubs for me that came from that time period of like foundational years. I was, the cool thing with Assembly is that I found out about it from friends when I was still in high school. I'm not someone that had a big like clubbing underage time. Like I think my year at school, we would go to like OBS at best. And that was when OBS was still like thriving as like mm. a you know thing. So it'd be like a oh, trance night, whatever my mates would do. And I'd just go along. Assembly, however, was something that I would actively go to, mm. discotheque. I was one of like three underage kids trying to get into discotheque because I loved electro, that whole thrash electro thing. Did that was you get happening. in? Yeah. I remember I, <laughs> I, made I, a plan. I stood behind Richard III one night, like drunk off my face, being like, yo, bro, can I stand here? Richard Rumney, Marumza. And I'm standing there like, bro, is it cool if I stand here? Blah, like, I lose my jersey, <laughs> like whatever. And it's this weird thing where like within five years, it was me on that stage. It was me in that annex mm -hmm. room. And I remember setting the goal for myself, one day I'm going to DJ here. And like within, two to three years of what I was. And I was opening discotheque and the management, Pierre Katsira and like Blaze would like see what I'd do and be like, okay, cool, man, you know, come back sometime. Mm. And you go from playing your hour and a half opening set to two people necking an entire beer on, you know, just because they're getting there early to drink cheap. And then you're suddenly like, I see the I see the flies come up and like my, my name just like creeping higher and higher up the list. So to be there when the venue closed 
looking back at it now at the time it was a special occasion and there was like everyone was there and it was amazing but it's this it's impossible to replicate that feeling and mm. in my post i made a whole discussion about it especially on twitter about like how i genuinely hope that places like this like start existing again for mm-hmm. new generations i need to see not artists are popping and therefore they get booked like we need to see venues that are willing to go oh you and your little collective of friends can like be in our side room mm. sell your tickets separately to our thing we'll let it make it be free entry elsewhere but you can like charge your 20 bucks whatever it was at the time mm. you, whole sections in air quotes of the scene came out of clubs like the assembly out of what that culture did and in, how how can you go from a place from where we are now to uh, to what they were doing at their peak which is what like wednesday see you next wednesday that have a stacked lineup mm-hmm. friday would be discotheque would be massively stacked lineup like two headliners and a bunch of like killer dj's mm. Saturdays would then be band night. And yeah. It would be like Francois Van Coke and Jack Paro in the middle of the month. And it would sell out. And all these kids from like Durbanville would be in, in the CBD being like, yo, what do you fuck? And like, that was all it took. Every single week pumping. And then like, we, we lived there. Yeah. We ended up on radio there. I would just go there for fun. Exactly. I would, sh- I showered in that fucking club. <laughs> okay, I never went that far. I did. <laughs> I showered in that. People are like, no, you're insane. I'm like, I know. But that's how comfortable I felt there. And I was like, man, it's impossible to, it's impossible not to look back on that without some degree of like, I guess sadness, but not because it had served its time. It's mm. more that what that stood for for Cape Town is mm. something that we haven't gotten back yet. And it's something that actually hasn't really been replicated anywhere else in the country. Mm. I was talking to a friend of mine who's also a musician, last week. And he said that Mercury closing was a positive thing. Mm. And I was like, but how can you say that? I'm like, I'm very confused. And he said, the assembly closing, Mercury closing, it's almost like it's the end of a chapter and an era. And you close the book, and you yeah. close the book on, on our scene at the time and what it was and how great it was and you put it to bed so that we can start afresh yeah that makes a lot of sense and that we can kick off new venues new bands new djs new genres new opportunities 100 and invest in a new wave and i was like i was actually quite taken aback because i never thought about it like that before yeah because I think I was holding on to the past and it's what the, the past on. was. Yeah. You know, that like, oh, it will never be as good as it was when MCAR was around. Like, up and coming bands will never have that opportunity. Instead of thinking somebody's got to invent a platform, mm-hmm. a new platform to give these kids new opportunities. It's a very valid point. And it is important to, uh, you don't have to necessarily leave on some massive, like, triumphant high. It mm. doesn't have to be, like, Viva Forever with the Spice Girls, like, disappearing into the cube when all the kids are screaming. They're like little fairies. Yeah, it's little such a fairies. nice music video. And that video traumatized me so much as a kid. Like, I don't know. It was, like, I think it was, I had just a lot of time. I got a hard time dealing with, like, like a loss at the time so i remember watching that video and just feeling this like honestly like existential dread like it was it was why an incredibly- are these leaving <laughs> why the kids want them to stay and then don't they take one of the kids with them in the yeah cube? they do that's yeah. why it picked yeah. me out i was like what about her family <laughs> anyway so assembly is the i mean 
assembly is the fairies. I'm sure it took some people with it into the cube, but at the same time, it's okay that we ended. Some of these things had to end. Like, uh, there are other clubs that stayed on too long and we watched them die this, like, really painful death. Yeah. And it allows brands that, like, brands that have stopped, even if it's just club nights or parties, they're still able to occasionally be like, hey, we're at, you know, venue du jour. We're, you know, we're going to pop up for a day and it's going to be, um, like, you know, a cool little moment and the same people that loved it can come back and enjoy it once a year or something rather than worrying about trying to keep a club or a venue or a space relevant. Mm. But it is super important. That time period that we came from isn't meant to last forever. Mm. I don't ever believe in the idea that one artist or one person should be the same thing forever. And it's mm. like, it's, it's, a very, it's a very arrogant idea that I, I think a lot of people have where it's like, oh, but do you know, you know, it's that, do you know who I am? It's why... It's why I, I refer back to the whole, you know, pushing the rock uphill kind of thing. Maybe there's other things to expand, like to explore. It would be so arrogant of me to assume, like, just because I've sunk 10 years into music, it's the only thing I should do. People mm. expect music from me. Yeah, they're going to be people that want me to still probably, like, make the music I made 10 years ago. Mm. They're people that still reference stuff that I did then. And you must imagine how much worse, how much worse it must be if you are a venue or an event it's like looking at what rocking the daisies is now versus what it was i know there are people listening to this going oh but i'm rocking the daisies was better 10 years ago yeah when it played the music you wanted to hear at the time but now for for whatever it wants to be it is an entirely different festival for entirely different people mm -hmm. and that was the pivot they made that was the the handbrake turn they pulled and ultimately the fact is how many more events were you going to go to if exactly. it was just going to be the same thing, if it was just going to be, okay, I guess like A-King and Jack Parra are playing at Assembly for the 68,000th time. Like, am I going to go and watch that on a Saturday? Not now. You're fucking 35 exactly. now. You aren't going to go and jaw. You're not going to spend the money at the bar that they need you to. So rather book Biggie to go and play in Swellendam and like that, whatever. That's an example. Shout out, Biggie's a cool guy. He's Shout a, out Swellendam. He's a very cool guy, actually. Him and his team are nice people. He's a very silent, quiet dude. I met him, and I was very impressed. My my main thing is I'm I'm happy to see new things come because they have to. Yeah. And they have to they have to be authentic. And those venues existed and kicked ass because yeah, they were good businesses, but they were also like authentic businesses that represented real people. people and the thing is, though, those real people weren't going to stay there forever. Yeah, I think what I'm going to say now, a lot of people are not going to like, but I think that Rocking the Daisies getting rid of that live music stage was the best thing that they did for their festival. For the growth of their festival, 1,000%. But I also for the bands playing on the stage, playing to oh, 10, yeah. 20, 30 people. Mm. Get rid of it. Like, it's yeah. a different vibe. Yeah, well, you know what completely. I mean? Completely. It's booking. It's also being smarter with the bookings. In terms of like, I like looking at stuff now. I try and be like a, I take a step back and just try and look at things from like the perspective of, okay, I've been to, how, you know, I've been to however many Rock on the Daisies. And they're all different, right? From what they, when they started to now. Mm. There was a time where a lot of festivals were similar and that's why they were great. Like yeah. Rocking the Daisies, Resin and Synergy, they all had the same vibe from the electronic offering. Where now it's kind of like, Rocking the Daisies feels very X, while another festival feels very Y, while certain electronic festivals have nothing to do with anything musically that they used to. Mm. Now it's like, okay, now they're all, they're sticking their flag down and going, we're a Cytrons festival. 
and they're proud of that mm. and like they have an audience that like froths for that that's good for me because i think the more offerings across the board the better and i think yeah i think throwing away the idea that they have to be a let's say a band festival mostly but still booking heavy hitters like mm. cool if someone puts out like hit if jeremy loops is available and he's down and everyone wants to go watch Jeremy Loops, give him a set at Rocking the Daisies. Mm. In between Nasty C and <laughs> some I'm a piano artist or I something. Think... That would be a very horrible programming. Please don't please don't do that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Comes out a small. Then Jeremy Loops. Then Nasty C. Yes. If, if any festival's going to do that, it'll be Opie Corpy. You yeah. know they will. Oh, yeah, of course they will. No, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> And then they'll like tell, yeah, yeah, no, they, they'll say we can't book you for the electronic stage because like we don't know what music you play. But then the rest of their stages will just be like, <laughs> like, like a hodgepodge, just this complete mess. Shout out to the wonderful people who used to do the bookings for the electronic stages at Opie Kopi. You know who the hell you are. You I had some of the prawns. best <laughs> festival experiences of my life yeah. at that Red Bull stage at Opie Kopi. They pushed so much unique stuff. Incredible. I saw footage from when I was 21 where I played with Diplo for the first time. It was on that little South African tour he did. What? Yeah, I was 21. That's the, I was like 2012. And it's me with like one tattoo being like, yeah, you know, Opie Copy's really epic. <laughs> Opie! Like, I really like the stage. Yeah, it's just such a vibe. Like, ah. Oh. And I'm like still super animated when I DJ. I did these little piano T-Rex hands. It's like the cringiest thing ever, but it's cute because like, I, I had the fire inside of me. And there's Diplo looking young. Not looking like some, like, you know, how he looks now, if you've seen how he looks. I, I have, unfortunately. Yeah, he's got that, like, Justin Bieber kind of, like, they've just rolled out of every bed yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, it was cool. That was, like, looking back at that, being like, damn, that stage. Knowing who they booked as well over the years in terms of, like, young up-and-coming talent. Mm where there have been numerous artists where people are like, I don't get it, Dan, this is terrible. And like those people are touring Europe now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, good. Pietres, I'm sorry you didn't know what like DJ Lag was. It's fine. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I just had a little flashback to being very stoned there, not being able to move. Yeah, yeah, but, no, that sounds about right. But that's a, but that's a story for another podcast, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to talk about your radio show. To the graveyard. Because, like I mentioned just now, with new platforms mm. coming into the mix and being used to showcase a new generation of talent, yeah. I really feel like that's what you've done with your show. Yeah. I really feel like you've used it as a springboard for your audience to discover new talent and talent that we and the talent is bustling it's yeah, amazing exactly how do you sit and curate what's going to be played what you're going to showcase because you're a busy man mm. so do you listen to everything do you have someone who's helping you because i because i always been me i know i know that you're also very you're very vocal about like please email yes, like please always. send your stuff in like mm. You know, you're very you 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 your call to action is strong yes. in that regard. It's always been me. I've there are parts of this that get easier with the networks that you build because I get, for example, through starting out on student radio into internet radio into by the fin, they've all been logical expansions of the same concept. Mm -hmm. But 
every time it forced me to be a little bit more professional. And when I when I was doing five, at first it was like a guest feature. Mm-hmm. While I was still doing assembly radio, it was like a phone-in thing that I did for a show. And then when that show ended, I got the call, do you want to do the full show? And it forced me to throw away a lot of the fun aspects of internet radio, like, oh, I can swear and I don't have to, I'm just going to play music with my laptop as I see fit. But that whole process of getting there as well as DJing consistently and making my own music, mm-hmm. it built relationships with record labels, with artists, and specifically directly where possible. I don't care if there was a local, um, you know, a major that was distributing, let's say, Gorgon City or whatever at the mm-hmm. time. I wanted to be getting the music straight from Black Butter because that was that's what's better. Mm. So when Rudimental come down, before they'd fully popped off as a pop artist, I was still able to actually go and get in backstage at Rocking the Daisies and talk to them based off of the fact that they know who I was because I was so consistently playing their music before anybody else. Mm. I used that to my advantage as well as obviously to the benefit of the artists that I was playing because I wanted to introduce these new artists. And at the time, it was a big focus excuse me, when I was younger, to focus on international music. Because mm. that it's not even that's, that that was the flex, but it's that no one else could do that. No one else could use their position as a South African, but with respect overseas, regardless mm-hmm. of reputation in terms of like clout or you're the most famous artist. It's that I built a reputation that I could use. Let me introduce cutting-edge new international music, first and foremost. Mm. And then I started finding more and more South Africans that I liked. And that started trickling in more. In the last two years, especially because of COVID, but it was already happening before, there was a realization, especially when I had, there was a point I was doing two shows for five. Uh, One was more of a mixed show. Mm -hmm. Through that, I started meeting more and more DJs because it was obviously constantly looking for, you know what, like let's have a a headline guest and Mm -hmm. then there's me and then let's have two new DJs every week. So... Between that show and then my my Friday or whatever, my Industry Trust, I'm trying to have something like four or five new guest DJs every week or mm. at least cycling in new people. The huge realization really came as COVID happened. is like, cool, I'm going to take that step back from the rock. But other people aren't and maybe don't have... I wouldn't call it a luxury because like my entire life almost felt like it was crumbling inwards. But... I knew that I could make a plan. And I thought immediately of every artist who in my position, like just like me, was making most of their money off of performance. And because, you know, streaming is garbage and, yeah. and all of those kinds of things. So it was finding, <laughs> it's finding those kinds of, of, of artists and going, I'm going to play your music as much as I can. You've got a new single. If it's good, let's get it on radio. Let's introduce you to as many new people as possible. And that mentality that has been kind of ebbing and flowing in and out of the show over the past five full years that I've been on national radio, just as my own standalone show, has been the reason why there have been people who listen to the first shows and haven't heard me for five years and hear me now and go, damn, like, the show is great. And there are people who've been with me for five years and who've been entertained. And it's because of that constant drive to push harder and do more, make myself, to the best of my abilities, more available. I I tell people, email me. I read those emails. I listen to the songs. I can't reply to everyone, but I do. If I really like someone, I will email you at two in the morning going, yo, got the tune. It's on the show this Friday. Here's the artwork. I'll send you the artwork tomorrow in between my other stuff Mm -hmm. because I'm doing the artwork. I don't want, I I know that there's like a magic to people 
handing off responsibilities and people love the idea of a team but COVID especially this past year has taught me that like dead weight is like pointless mm. working with terrible people slows you down more than it speeds you up I do 90% of the stuff relating to me now mm -hmm. and that's because I know how to do it right and I also know how to schedule it so I'm I'm um, I'm I am the one who has to sadly message people when people do get hurt and upset because young artists feel entitled to yeah. your time and you would know yes the I've sent you an email why haven't you responded and it's because I know you're and like in the most polite way I know you are sitting there waiting for a response on your track and I understand that and this is now your big thing you're waiting for the one response because you think it's going to change your life but from personal experience that one email, even if they give you the opportunity that you're looking for, mm. that is not the one thing that's going to change your life. If it benefits you massively, it's the follow-up that's going to change your life. Mm. It's the consistency. So I, being a human being who have my own emails that I'm sending out waiting for responses, you can understand if we all just sat around waiting, we'd just be sitting. So like when you get a reply from me, if you can, then you know I've listened. But even if I haven't replied, I've probably listened. I generally even just go back to people and say, hey... I've heard this. Thank you. I appreciate you sending it. I will consider this for a future date, but please, always, but please keep sending me your mixes. Keep sending me your music. Do you reply to people who are passive aggressive? 150%, yes, sometimes. Get in here and say that, mate! Come on! Fucking come and have it! I, Do you? Yeah, some people, no, there's some people who go, oh, give me this, whatever, ask for stuff. And I just go like, I, I actually just, I diffuse by just being really straightforward. And I'm just saying like, hey, uh, this is how the show works. Like, I'm looking for new stuff. I have to program three hours of music and guests and everything, and I need to fit people in. And if I think you fit, I'll let you know. But ultimately, as much as you think you're the, like, in, in the nicest way, not insulting them, but as much as mm. people think they're relevant, it's that what other people don't understand is that, like, my platform, as much as I offer it to people, I have an obligation to entertaining what is logically a commercial audience mm -hmm. with something that is logically underground but i have to also present it in a way that kind of balances between the two so i'm not the most underground guy and i can't be i'm also not the most commercial guy and i can't be so as much as there are people just to the left of me or just to the right of me whinging and probably thinking like this guy thinks he's so fucking cool i firstly i am that's why i have the job and secondly <laughs> secondly i don't think like i don't think i'm better than anyone it's that i'm just doing my best to like hold two ropes and pull them together to mm. the best of my ability and find that little sweet spot and tie it right there and go, here you go. Oh, Kyle, you are a much better person than I am. I, I press delete. If I, if I mm. sense any sort of passive aggression, mm. I'm like, goodbye. I don't have time for this. But I will, mm. I will be straight with you. I feel like I need to take a little leaf out of your book. Because I get very, very overwhelmed with right. like the 50 emails that I have in my inbox that need to be replied to with yes. people who just drop a track, yeah. just attach it to an email without even. <laughs> so what I do is I so what I do is I scream uh, out loud in the room. <laughs> no, this is real because it'll be like, you know what I mean. I get a message on Facebook asking me. Okay, so it'll be a comment in. Okay, I'll put a Facebook post up. Send me your music. Join my <gasps> join my join my page. I'm already getting hot. Join the group. Send it in the <clears> group. So someone will comment on the on the post. Can I can I send you my track? I mean, okay, I've said yes in the post initially, but that's fine. Yes, you can. I will message them. Yes, you can. Feel free. The info's there. The email's there. 
they'll message me and be like, I just checking that I can email. This is like a worst case scenario, but like you can, even if you remove two steps from this, it's still egregious and it's still actually more common than you think. So people go, now they've got my email after two steps, they'll email me and be like, hi, is this where I can send tracks? You know, and it becomes this thing of like, I'm not going to chase you. I, I don't, I've, there, there, are, there are, there's plenty of music to play. There's so much music in the world. I couldn't even, there's stuff that I, I made, I've made entire shows in the, in the past few months where I've gone back to stuff that I didn't even get a chance to play. Wow. Like last year as an example, where I'm like, ah, these are records that I have that I downloaded that I just never got a chance to play in a whole year. So I can do a whole show now being like, here are records that I missed in 2020. Like if you're not gonna, if you're gonna keep doing stuff like, hey, is it still cool if I send you a mix? I just keep telling people nicely, please just send me a download. Just link. send it. Make sure that it's and downloads are enabled. It, if I like it, I like it. I don't I don't need you to worry about the genre. And that's something I try and your people are so South Africans are so caught up on genre. The way really? that, remember like in the I guess like, you know, two thousand and early two thousands, we were obsessed with like it was like rock versus rap music or like in Cape Town it was kind of like ska versus I guess like punk or whatever. Mm. It's that kind of the argument. And, you know, people picked sides because there was no internet and we didn't care about the wider culture. It was like, what is this? Like, oh, I skank. And I'm like, okay, cool, man, <laughs> white middle class high school friends. You go and skank to hog hoggity freaking hogs. Man. You do your thing. People are like that still where it's like, Hi, I have an electronic music show and I've played half an hour of ambient music and I've played half an hour of absolute extreme death hardcore from a guy who's now gone on to remix um, a track off of Chromatica by mm -hmm. Lady Gaga, but mm -hmm. like made a hard dance, like terrifying 200 BPM part of a song for Lady Gaga. All of that's been on 5FM. All of that has been on, on like national radio. And you're like, can I play Deep House? I don't know. Can you at this point? Is I'm a piano fine. Have you listened to a single show? <laughs> Do you understand? So I, it's not even worth getting angry as much as it's just like, just send it. Just just send. I'll I'll decide. Because some people do send stuff that I can't play because it's like hip hop or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just very common and it's normal. Because mm. they see DJs and producers send me your stuff. And there are a lot of hip hop DJs who are producers. So I do say, hey, I'm maybe not the person for this. And then I try and give them names. Mm. It's like go to these people. They've got shows on other stations, or like this guy's an amazing turntablist DJ, throwing South African artists to people in the UK even because they're like UK DJs who are massively looking up for South African records. That stuff's cool, but for me, it's just like, can you dance to the song? Send I, it to me. I remember on the way back from a gig at Cafe Rue. I can't remember who was playing. It was long, and I, I took an Uber all the way back to town. And you might have premiered, but I'm not sure. But I heard. Mm. Omunye for the first time oh, on your show. Did it, would have been actually would have been Destruction Boys possibly in the mix. I've been very fortunate in that I've scheduled guests and then we'll we'll have confirmed it on like the Monday or like or even on the on the previous Friday or whatever. Like I'll have talked to their teams or to them. Oh god. No no they'll be like no 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 good good experiences. Okay. But then within three days there'll be some massive controversy and I'll just be like, uh. here's the artwork. DJ Lang gets ripped off by Will I Am. Wow. Well, guess who was in the mix that week? Uh, we got um, oh we got Cool Drink on the on the show the week of Tyler like releasing and 
already like the thing is they knew that record was going to pop because they kind of could see what was going on behind the scenes and where it was already getting hype but it was that thing of i've known cool drink since he was a child so Mm. it was this he's still a child but a real child and it was this thing of like yo let's credit you as the producer put him on the show and then people are like damn you how do you know these things it's like it's like you know something and i'm like yeah like that's just if you're paying attention that's how (laughs) these things work you just actually watch what's happening it's really cool to be able to have those moments where I think some people got to hear really big records, especially South African ones, mm. and really big artists, actually. Mm. Introducing people. I had lag on the Ultimix once, and I had a bunch of people messaging me because he was on tour in, like, Prague and, like, Europe. He was on his, like, big, like, just tour of, like, all the, like, the boiler room stuff and just doing mental things in overseas. And I put him on the Ultimix, like, he's, he had time to record this mix, and I got actual messages from people being like, yo, this music's boring. What is this? And I'm just like, you know, the guy who's gone on to work with Beyonce now, like, hmm, okay. Yeah, how did that turn out for you? <laughs> oh, it's boring. Yeah, sure. Like, f- three years later, is it still boring? Four years later? It's, it's fun. It's not even a flex. It's like quite literally like people want to know like the secret to some of the stuff. Is It's more just like pay attention. You can... You can learn so much if you actually just want to. Mm-hmm. A lot of industries are looking for people that are willing to learn and are willing to apply, like, the very basics, like, you know, turning up on time, being excited to work, working well with others, those kinds of things, and, like, wanting to help other people while also knowing your own worth. I think that's what's given me any semblance of, like, longevity mm. and what's also kept me from, like, absolutely tearing like my provided my hair is long enough to tear out but yeah you know tearing my own hair out but I guess you know you have to sort of I mean for me right I can't do one thing forever and Mm. ever until I die I have to work on new projects I have to constantly keep evolving and I feel like you might after talking to you. And I can't believe this is the first time that we've done this. I know, it's so long. I can't, I can't believe we've never done this. It's crazy. But but talking to you now, I feel like you might be the same person where you need to constantly be creating, working on new things. And I feel like your new role as a creative director mm. at Mad Dog's Clothing is this new outlet for you to do all of this incredible stuff that you're doing with the label while still paying homage to the nostalgic aspect of how great that label was when we were kids. 100%. So it came about as a, I don't think people understand like how, how wild it is, I guess. It's, they're a big brand. They've been around since 1993, but the team is small now. It's changed ownership a couple of times and it was in, for the past three years, it's had a, an owner who's wanted to kind of turn it around and bring it back to what it was because it had lost sight of through through ownership handover mm. and, you know, people not being as invested anymore. The brand never really died, but it, it lost that magic, I guess, that it had. And in one of those moments of sitting there during COVID and being like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I've got these skills, but what do I use them for? Like, yeah. I want to make it clear. I know it's like, what would you do? I know people are just waiting for like, oh, once we're vaccinated, things are going to go back to normal. It's not for me. I I set myself a very, like a logical point that I want to come in from this, like understanding of it. And it's like, in order for events to go back to things the way that they really are, I need to rely on 
uh, vaccine rollout. I need to rely on it being adopted by people. And I need to rely on the government providing vaccines, which at the time wasn't happening. Mm. And if any three of those steps cannot be fulfilled reasonably, I can't expect events to really go back to normal. At the moment, things are looking better, but mm-hmm. they're still not looking as sustainable as they were in 2019 mm-hmm. or 2018 or anything like that. So I made this thing of like, I'm going to take the step back, let the thing do what it does. I don't, ha- I, yeah, okay. I'm not trying to be the hottest artist in the game. I'm not trying to come out and be, you know, I, I'm not trying to be the biggest name anymore. I, not that I was. It's more that like, what I represent should be clear by now. Mm. You can tune into the radio show. You can, if you've heard me DJ, when you hear me DJ again, you will know what I'm what I'm about. And I have earned to some degree a level of like respect and standing in the industry that if that translates to gigging again, amazing. If it doesn't, I'm not going to beg. Yeah. I'm not going to whinge and whine and complain. I think I represent something. So while I, as, as really... As great as that sounds, it's terrifying when you're like, well, in the meantime, what the what the fuck am I? <laughs> like, and now dogs came across my feed. I love how they came across your feed. No, you know what? It's actually as as great. No, 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 no. So they didn't come across my feed as in like they saw me. It's that like I saw them. Aha. Uh-huh. Because my girlfriend sh- showed them to me. She was like. Check this out. And I was like, okay. I hadn't even thought of this brand in so long. And she had one of their old fleeces from like about a year or two ago. And it was like, okay, some gray fleece with just some branding on it. It wasn't very a lot. It wasn't very what it is now mm-hmm. even. But it was still kind of there. And I'm like, what happens if like, what if what if they did like a, like a really hard like 90s thing? Because I went and looked at what they were offering. And it was like, it wasn't it wasn't 90s enough. It was cool. They were, they were trying new things, new mm. designs, and it just wasn't really there as but their heart was clearly and i reached out to them hey we should do like a, a ninth like a collab but this is who i am this is my name my reputation because they didn't know who i was mm. the md doesn't or didn't now we've obviously been working together for over a year but he didn't know and he obviously looked at like what i was doing i think he did like the skulk besaden hood because a collab had been announced which was kind of a soft pivot into that direction so they were like yeah cool let's do this and i was super hands-on like I was in the factory in Paul meeting like the, the people at the CMT. Like I'm talking about the cuts of the material. Like I'm, I'm upskilling hard, not because this is an opportunity for me, but because I'm like, I care about this yeah. so much. And then we did the thing, we put it out. I spoke about it so much and I was so passionate about the project. And then they started getting other stuff coming in unrelated to me, but it was stuff that was kind of adjacent to me, like people, ideas and I'm like I know I know that I don't know those people personally but I know their vision mm. brands and companies so there so while there were those projects were meant to come together other collabs and stuff basically the MD of Mad Dogs like don't you want to like just take a look at this quickly and I'm like yeah I'll take a look come into the meetings I sit there I realize all of that performance energy that goes into DJing I put into rooms now I, I know, like, okay, everyone listening in, yes, I, I know I can talk the hind legs of a donkey on a podcast. I'm and like, I love it. Okay, good. But in a in a business setting, I started coming in as like, oh, yeah, I'm just the kind of, I'm the guy who's helping with the design a little bit and I'm kind of helping them direct, sort of help direct the vision and stuff. 
and like it was just this natural fit like where i'm sitting in rooms with people who i don't know who've got 20 years experience in the fashion industry but who were willing to listen to me because mm-hmm. i was very clear about what we were trying to do and how we can bring the mad dog brand together with let's say theirs whether that be on what level of business partnership and i'm i walk out of there like feeling like that same dj euphoria where i'm like i just fucking i just crushed that shit. Like, god damn it like i just yo like wow fuck and like and then that conversation happened of like so like i'm i'm here now right and they're like yeah so i'm like i mean they're just going to carry this on moving forward yeah let's agree on some terms because we're a small team and we're a small team with a huge brand that's kind of the fun part is that i'm now i think there are a lot of people who are probably punching the air that they didn't think of doing this sooner but it's also the best thing is that like being so small we're so able to adapt to change and like i I've been I've been given a lot of freedom and control like freedom like with creatively just being able to kind of say like why don't we do this and like referencing stuff and it's a good thing and a bad thing that my name is now being linked to the brand because there's some people that think it's my brand or think that I bought it or own it we're like no I'm really just helping steer it creatively but we are this unit that works together on everything and like they've learned to shift shift the way that they handle things i've learned to adapt to this whole new world and you are mentioned earlier about having a million like a million things going on mm. collabs that i've done while being the creative person of mad dogs the creative director have now led to me working with those other brands on other projects that then pull in on my media skills which will then pull me into brand work with other brands where i'm like I know people like to say, oh, what do you do? You're a DJ, you're a this. And I've got like, at this point, I joked about the Hydra thing where like I have so many job titles. Like I've just done styling for a, for or helped with styling for someone who's just done a Netflix shoot, like kind of like off the cuff randomly. There's the music stuff, there's DJing, there's radio, there's creative direction, there's graphic design, there's actual brand work. There's all of this shit going on. And it's like, I feel that it's a, a part of the feeling alive thing is that like my real job now is being a dot connector and not in a self-serving ah oh, I am I pull all the dots together it's that I have been able to I have been able to bring meaningful things together mm-hmm. in ways that benefit those things and benefit my big goal is more wider community stuff I don't want to give away too many secrets here but there's like a lot of brands and a lot of companies want to know, like, you know, you want to collab with the hottest graphic designer, you want to collab with the hottest musician, but what does that really do? It gets you a couple of t-shirts sold, gets some people through the door. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool, you get to you get to your week of social media being a buzz and everyone's like, oh, that's so epic. Music has taught me, me, like, the meaningful impact does not come from playing the record the one time and them going, man, we're on the radio, and then they tell their followers to listen. It's the fact that their followers might listen to the show again and discover more artists. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that that artist was given a platform that they can then take someone who's been on my show can come to you and be like, well, hi, I'm so-and-so. I've just had my record debuted on Industry Trust and that's going to hold weight with you. Mm-hmm. Those are the meaningful stories and the things that like, that, that, that permeate everything. And that's why with Mad Dogs, we are so focused on transforming the brand more than just reinvigorating it. Like, yeah, we have to rebuild it. But there's a lot of there's a lot of great memories attached to the brand and there's also stuff that from the past that I want to undo and that we want to undo this idea that it's unattainable this idea that it's like a you know for a particular demographic and also not in that not that it was a bad thing it was that it was such a desirable commodity and that it was hard to get 
because it was maybe priced too highly mm. or it was something like that. Where now we're trying to up the quality, involve involve voices who were never able to get it before in the creation, in the marketing, in everything, and go like, you're all a part of the fucking family now. Like, this is about us. This isn't about me. It's not about the brand. It never was. I see an opportunity for, yeah, tap into nostalgia. Yeah, mm. tap into uh, the 90s. It's like, fuck, I do love the 90s. They were a great time. But we're also at a pivotal point where you can also, like the assembly, you can lay things to, to rest. You can go, I can play into the nostalgia and we can sell a Dust Capital jersey to like a Tani in like Polokwane, like some old Afrikaans woman. Like I know, I can see who's buying the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because you're like, they have no fucking clue who I am. And they're like, they bought my collab off of the merit of I designed it so that it wouldn't look like a collab. That means we can keep doing that mm-hmm. and benefit so many voices that need the platform. And that's what we're doing on the side of actually just building the brand up. It's a lot. I've got a lot going on and there are a lot of really crazy things happening. So for every normal jersey we release, there's going to be some upstart young brand that we're going to be like pushing some a woman a person of color that is going to be given the platform while i just get to go oh and here's the all over print jersey enjoy it boys and like everyone's gonna be like yeah bad dog and i'm like yeah fine cool enjoy that's that is the magic of it and that's also that realize that realization of you know all those people who've been shit all of those years and they had the opportunity to change Mm -hmm. realizing that those like gatekeepers only gatekeep because they can't do this like they don't actually, they're mad and they're shit because their entire worth is tied to their position of power, not to their skill set. Where I'm someone that has been a jack of all trades for like 11 years, but a jack of all trades is, uh, is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. There you go. Hey. Bangers. But listen, it's time for the old god to make a very gracious exit. Oh, no, we're going to take them out back and, and just shoot them <laughs> in the back of the head. Yes, me trying to be PC. No, and no, like, no, no, my friend. We are, we are, we are Chairman Mao, like long walking them, long walk off a short pier boys. <laughs> Kyle. Kicking and screaming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please promise me yeah. that you will come back. 1,000%, thank you. Because I feel like we've just started Mm. to unpack the depths of what's going on in that brain of yours. And like I said, I can't believe that this is the first time that we've done this. Mm. I could sit here on a four-hour-long podcast with you and talk about all of the things that you've A, achieved, and B, are looking forward to working on and developing. You know what the cool thing is, is that in, in the last few weeks, there's been this massive, this reckoning I've been doing. Like I've, I've been talking about this, this anger towards like, oh, I've realized like I've been held back in so many aspects and I've held myself back in so many aspects. But in realizing that as well, it's this thing of, it's not about, I, I'm showing no signs of stopping internally. I feel no, there's no um, shortage to the ideas. There's no I find myself in new rooms with new people all the time and they'll want something done and I'll be like, you wouldn't believe that I also want to do that thing. And you wouldn't believe that there are other people who in the same city or the same industry or on a different industry that want to work together. And they'll be like, no way, we want to work with those people. So 
I'm constantly connecting the dots. And whether that be for myself or whether that be for others, it's not going to stop anytime soon. And that's also why, you know, I can say like, oh, take them up back to you in the head. Jesus. But my whole thing as well is that like success is kind of, it's not the best revenge. I don't want to say I'm getting revenge on people, but it's that there are wonderful people doing amazing things. And I'm so happy to see them thriving. And I'm happy to see us kind of all gravitate together because I know that the best thing we can do is continue our amazing work because that is, that is the best thing. It's not about being the individual who is the strongest. It is about working together. So I will be back here. There is no question. <laughs> I have no doubt that even six months from now, I will have something interesting enough to tell you. I'm not worried about, I know it's worth updating people. And I think your platform would maybe be the best to discuss the last 10 years. But I don't know if, if someone, we want to get into the deep cuts in the same way that I don't want to talk about the skinny love rerub to people which is why i didn't ask you about thank it thank you no but you know there's some people who still bring it up as an example like and it's it's a funny joke because now it's like 11 years old as a, as a thing there's some people who want to talk about that it's like there's info on that already it exists what i'm excited for is like what's coming next mm -hmm. so thank you and i appreciate you having me and giving me the platform and i hope that if anyone feels inspired to uh, or, or feels uninspired by what they're currently doing like there is chance for you yet. Someone had, people had convinced me that I was to be a, a house music producer and that was my life. Where like, very clearly I should have been doing much more than that for mm. a long time and I'm happier for it. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried. I'll be here again soon, as soon as you'll have me. Slowly breathe out. It's time to get spiritual. Get spiritual.
for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Shana to Das Kapital for joining me in studio. Text Talks is coming to you from the amazing Kaya Creative Studios at Neighborgood in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. Shout out to Tom's, the only music store for keeping us connected. From me, your host, Tex, my producers, Jonathan Ings and Matt Lewitz, and our researcher, L Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>